Greetings and salutations, cool cats and cuties. Welcome, one and all, to the anime podcast of some sort. I'm David Majors. My initials are DJM. My co-host initials kind of change with the wind, but mostly he's known as Jack. Jack DeAllister. What's up, Jack? We're doing the APOS again. We most certainly are. Fun fact for the majority of this year and the past one, I've been uh, initialing all of my artwork with the initials JFC. And I think that'd be fantastic to have as legal initials. I'm not sure why. Something about it just kind of rings a bell. JFC. Not sh- Is that uh, Jersey mm. Fried Chicken? Jersey Fried Chicken. That's what that is. I don't know. It'll come to me, but Jesus fucking Christ, it's frustrating if I can't come up with it right now. I don't get it. Mm, let, let, me neither. Let's talk. Let's talk about cartoons. Uh, we're 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 going to talk about cartoons on this podcast for the most part, uh, and this time on the APOS, we have a guest. We managed to wrangle another. Got another got in the Rolodex, Jack, and. It is with great pleasure we welcome a writer, journalist, and founder of the Damage Control blog at theicecave.org, Ms. Angela Mosley. Angela, thank you so much for joining us on APOS. Happy to be here. Hey, David. Hey, Jack. Damage Control. I read that blog. It's excellent. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm not sure why I had to say it in that fashion, but I won't question it because that's that's the fond, that's the tone of fond remembrance and appreciation, and I won't have, have it another Jack, way. Jack, have I ever questioned any of your funny voices? The only thing that I regret, Jackson, is that I couldn't have played any kind of ragtime, old-timey music behind you when you were doing that voice. Well, maybe someday. Maybe we can, uh, we can be... Uh, several years down the line, you'll be on the uh, fresh off the end of some horrific Groundhog Day instance where you had all the time in the world to practice, and then and then you'll have had a better understanding of yourself and the world upon emerging from that journey. But until but enough then, about but enough about Russian Doll on Netflix. That's for another show. Uh, right now, this is <laughs> this is the anime show, and Jack, uh, we're actually going to start off with you. Jackson Dalton Alistair the Fourth effing Christ, you've been watching something uh, from back in the day. Uh, We've got here about an OVA. Indeed. So I'm going to just really quickly, I'm poorly prepared. It's out of my arm's reach. I'm going to grab it right now. Uh, This this coffee uh, of this OVA has been brought to us by uh, avid listener and, you know, just all around excellent creator of anime content and friend of the show friend of the show dean the adequate and uh this is detatoko princess which is hot off the press japanese and english 90 minute basically movie length ova three distinct episode stories um I'm looking for the year here. I knew it back. Uh, it is. You know. uh, the OVA is listed as being from December of 1997 to May of 1998. There you go. Thank you so much for that, David. And uh, I have to say, this holds up to me. Uh, I have always been a fan of this kind of classic and anime art style and animation. The color is lush. You know, they've got some great sequences. But y'all want to know what it's about. You're following Princess Lapis, who is uh, gifted with a magical item in this sort of fantasy realm, the magic eraser. And boy, if there's one thing you need to know about her above anything else, it's that she loves pudding. And that is one of, if not her sole motivating factor. In fact, she will die if she goes without too little pudding so it's it's a it's a quirky little show it's it's a little different it's strange and uh david i don't want to get too much into you know any instant uh you know kind of punchlines or anything this is really worth looking up into if you're looking for a quick little laugh obviously doesn't take too long to watch it uh this came from a rare dvd printing this is very strange looking at the the back of this and everything like that but uh, I don't want don't to scare people off by making this comparison, uh, but I think it's okay because this is an older OVA. So don't, nobody run. 
But the way that the characters act, their motivations, the fact that there's often comedic taglines that will show up on the screen to commentate on what happened. For instance, um, Lapis has a uh, a uh, run-in with one of the recurring enemies, uh, her older sister, in fact, who has a collection of beautiful young women. Don't worry about it. And uh, she takes one of the fruits of the pudding tree, which has been blooming. Gosh, I wonder why we're here. And takes it hostage with a knife. And up on the screen, they put in Japanese, cheap tactics. And then they cut to Lapis, who is completely just distraught by this threat. And it flashes on screen, but it's working. And, you know, that kind of tongue-in-cheek comedy... You know, the self-awareness, the fact that the characters are not completely on the moral up and up, you know, they're in it for their own selfish needs. I don't I don't want to scare anybody off. I'm just saying it reminds me a whole lot. It's D&D. It's D&D. It's Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, is that all? Oh, geez. I don't know. It's kind of the thing today. You know, it feels like it's kind of gotten weirdly stigmatized again. And I'm worried, David. I oh, worry. no, no. I, I think that Dungeons & Dragons is definitely back in. I think it's it's still very much in. Uh, I'm looking Dungeons at this Dragons show. Dungeons & Dragons is dope. I'm, I'm looking at this show, and it definitely has that look of an anime or an OVA from 1997, 1998. It has that look. Uh, if you were watching or if you're familiar with the art style that was prevalent in the mid to late 90s, Angela, you can probably attest to this as well. It has that look and stylistic. The character designs are very much reminiscent of that style that you could probably say instantly is recognizable by revolutionary girl Utena, just in the character designs and the face and, and just top to bottom. It has the fact that, that characters kind have of, noses. Exactly. They haven't for the last re- recent decade, let's be fair. <laughs> It has that 1997 look, pre-Outlaw Star, which was 1998, but after the action ADV films OVA era of like 1994-1995. Uh, Angela, if you're seeing this, if you looked this up, Detatoko Princess, what are you thinking of it? I'm looking at it, and it's definitely got that fantasy feel. Uh, and I'm reading here from the article uh, that I'm seeing is that it. Im- it braces, it takes every fantasy stereotype and embraces it, making no pretense of the fact that they're trying to milk every cliche. So, Angela, I don't know about you, but this does sound kind of fun. Yeah, uh, when Jack was describing it, it kind of reminded me of, first thing that actually came to mind was Outlaw Star. Um, but Very said, Outlaw Star in the look. Definitely, but I've been looking at it now going to say yeah basically uh at the artwork slayers also comes to mind i haven't really seen much of slayers but just based on the artwork alone i think of something like slayers oh with what you were describing from the characters uh, fantasy yes with what you were describing from the characters jack it definitely reminds me of what i've watched of slayers i'm watching slayers uh, at my local anime club right now and and i can see some similarities with the fantasy characters who are irreverent in a show that is irreverent. So I, I get it. I dig it. This, this sounds like a fun little romp. And since it's an OVA, I imagine the animation is, is pretty stellar in quality. It, it absolutely is. I would definitely uh, give this a look. Uh, it was I mean, this came from a friend of the show. I don't know how hard it was for him to find, but, uh, you know, I guess I would, <laughs> I don't want to flood him questions that deem the adequate. Let's not. But Detatoko Princess, I mean, just give it a look, folks, because, uh, like I said, 90 minutes, it's just like watching a quick little classic anime movie. Pick around and the it, horn. It's Jack. definitely holds your attention. Indeed. What's your favorite flavor of pudding? Mm. I got to go with. Good old classic chocolate mousse. Angela, same question. Same thing, chocolate. All right, chocolate all around, three out of three. Now, speaking of OVAs, guys, way, <laughs> way, way back in the the ancient times, this is the, the uh, often remembered hashtag old man DJM segment of the anime podcast of some sort. 
way, 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 way back in the day, in the era of ADV films and Saturday anime on the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, there was an OVA called Battle Angel Alita. And a reputable film director by the name of James Cameron really, 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 really liked it. And he said, I'm going to make a movie into that one of these days. Here we are in the year of our based god, 2019. And the Battle Angel Alita movie is here in theaters. And I saw it, folks. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It was pretty damn entertaining. I liked Alita a lot. Robert Rodriguez, you nailed it. Uh, The casting of Rosa Salazar as Alita, she was absolutely wonderful. She was charming. She was energetic. She was heartfelt when she needed to be. The emotions were there when they needed to be. Christoph Waltz as Dr. Dyson was terrific. Uh, Casting throughout the movie was really well done. Uh, The acting, the performances, they all were really well done. Uh, The guy that played Hugo, he was okay. Uh, The whole movie, uh, I've been seeing a little bit of criticism that compares it to some of the recent young adult novel adaptations. And I can kind of see a little bit of that. I can see that because one anime fan that I talked to, uh, she didn't realize that this was actually adapted from a manga and an OVA until I, I told her, yeah, I'm old, so I remember this. And as I was leaving the theater, uh, I spoke to a young man because I, I told him, uh, yeah, there's no after credit scene because I looked it up. There's nothing after the credits. Uh, and he was really, really pleased that... The movie itself covered the first chunk of the Alita manga almost shot for shot. So if you're looking for something true to the manga, you are going to thank James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez because they nailed it. Uh, I've seen more than a couple of reviews from people that were fans of the manga that said they absolutely nailed it. Uh, the the actual movie itself was beautiful. Uh, they took the cyberpunk aesthetic and they took the urban world that you see in the likes of Blade Runner 2049 and the Ghost in the Shell adaptation and they put it in the daytime, which you didn't see. And that that was really, really delightful. You saw daylight. You saw colors. You Dare I say, uh, the daytime scenes in Alita reminded me a little bit of the scenes in Wakanda in Black Panther, how Iron City looked. It, it looked like those scenes in the daytime where you saw Wakanda and you saw the city market. It was kind of like that. And it was bright and vibrant and and really, really beautiful and really well done. And the nighttime scenes were very much favorable to that cyberpunk aesthetic that we know from the likes of Alita and Ghost in the Shell and Blade Runner. It fit in exceptionally well with all of those. And the action was solid, Nothing truly groundbreaking besides the motion capture and the fact that most of this was done via green screen and CGI and the the rollerball scenes, the game that they play uh, was so action heavy. Uh, the the suit designs, the mech designs, the cybernetics were out of this world. Like y- you understand why James Cameron waits for these types of things because he he is the guy that had the vision for things like Avatar and he was talking about Alita before Avatar. I remember when I was younger all the way back in in the early 2000s, Jack wasn't even born yet where <laughs> that's incorrect. I, I remember hearing James Cameron wanted to adapt 
Battle Angel Alita, and me and all of the other 90s kids who were into anime were like, okay, sure, dude, maybe in about 10 or 15 years. Well, here we are. Here we are. And, and he did it. He actually did it. And yeah, uh, weebs, my fellow weebs, otaku Americans across the land, go see Alita if you haven't already. It's good. It's it's got a little tiny bit of a young adult adaptation, kind of in that feel. It's got a little bit of a Maze Runner feel, but in a good way. It's it's energetic. The characters that are are younger are fun and likable. Everyone is likable in this movie. It it to some extent. Uh, the bad guys are portrayed well. The the protagonists are all immensely likable. The action is solid. Maybe not spectacular, but solid. It looks beautiful. And it's set up for a sequel pretty well. And we had a, a pretty big cameo at the end as the main antagonist. Uh, the, the main antagonist was a, a relatively big acting name. So if there is a sequel, uh, it... It will be big, I think. And judging by the numbers, it's doing well. It's doing well. Uh, it did... Maybe this will keep James mil- Cameron from working on Avatar for the rest of his life. That's exactly what I said when I got out of the theater. That we need to tell James Cameron, hey, nobody's really asking for another Avatar movie. But you can like go Disneyland ahead Disneyland and- made it viable in a park setting. You can You can make good things again. It's okay. You can go ahead and make another Alita movie in the next couple of years. Let's let's get that message out. And I'm saying it, Jack, Angela, you can see Alita. It's it's good. It's fun. It's good. And it is so anime. It is so so to. anime. Like I'm it is un- it is unapologetically anime and it's really really good. I, I give it full recommendation. Uh, with with Ghost in the Shell, my my opinion was, eh, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. But in the case of Alita, I'm saying it's good. Go see it. Yeah, um, I'm definitely feeling a lot more excited for this than I am for uh, Ghost in the Shell. The least of which isn't that they have a, a really compelling lead. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit tired of ScarJo in everything, you know what I mean? It, it just feels a little bit redundant at this point. Like, you're not playing a character anymore. You're just banking on ScarJo putting butts in seats. So, you know, th- this is this sounded like great casting. I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about that. Um, and as far as Alita's eyes go... People mixed, yes. Because yeah, people were making a big deal about the on. eyes... After yeah. a few minutes, you don't even think about it anymore. You really don't. Yeah, unless I feel you're, like that's kind unless of a you're someone critique. that's just unless you're someone that's just so averse to anything that might be remotely uncanny valley. You don't even think about it after the first few minutes. Yeah, you. I remember you saying that that was even the point. Which, yes, that's the point of this science fiction story involving humanity and cyborgs. Thank you very much. But, you know, let's let's not forget that it also makes it visually distinct among, you know, the ghosts in the shells, the Dragon Ball evolutions, the last airbenders. We need an anime movie that is able to have that kind of trapping. And even if it looks weird and unusual, it looks weird and unusual. And that's something that is I mean, not to be outright celebrated by itself, but if it works for what they're doing, then it works. And you can't fault that at all. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, When you said young adult adaptation, it reminded me of um, a concern that I heard from one of my favorite video review uh, channels, which was telling, uh, kind of complaining about the fact that this felt, even though it leaned closer to an R, it's still a PG-13 rating, and that seemed to hold it back a bit on the terms of action. Would you maybe agree with that at all? Not at all. Not in the no? least. Nope. Uh, th- there is one action scene in particular that is that starts off 
kind of like a bar scene, but then it builds to a really awesome action scene that that is that is uh, I, I hate to say this again. It's an anime fight and it's it's pretty darn good. And there is a moment where it does get pretty raw. Uh, someone's eye gets ripped out is what I'll say. And they they push that PG thirteen rating to its absolute limit. So I like that. I like some yeah. peril in my movies, especially my animated movies. <clears throat> anyway, that doesn't mean dead parents, but we'll move on. <laughs> I'm excited for Alita. I'm hyped. Go see it. Go see it. Uh, I will. Uh, sorry to be the buzzkill now to go from my glowing recommendation for Battle Angel Alita to this story from ANN that Angela you brought up about Attack on Titan uh, and and some some news regarding Attack on Titan and the the mighty My Hero Academia as well. What's up with this story, Angela? Basically, uh, we're still seeing the ramifications of the uh, Funimation Crunchyroll split. The first uh, first seasons of both My Hero and Attack on Titan have been removed from Crunchyroll, which is kind of a shame. I mean, I kind of expected My Hero to go because it was only in the partnership that we even got My Hero in the first place. But I was a little surprised to see Attack on Titan go because that was there from day one when the show was first simulcast. I, I guess it's just that it's it's part of the divorce, more or less, uh, and we're we're still figuring out who's gonna get custody of the kids. Plus, with shows as popular as those two, anyone who has a passing interest in them has probably seen them. That that's probably the case you could make for Attack on Titan and My Hero Academia. Uh, people have seen the first seasons of those. And both of them are not too terribly long and, and far removed from uh, their, where they are currently. It, it wouldn't be like removing the first season of One Piece, where God knows there's 70,000 episodes of, of story and world building, where you wouldn't have any idea where things would be if you were to try to start from the beginning. I would uh, but, also just point out that there are DVD copies of these, you know, up the wazoo, and Blu-ray sets, you know, these aren't hard to find. These are very mainstream, available at Best Buy, Target, what have you. These aren't hard to find animes. These aren't Denotoko Princess. That's oh. true. I'm just thinking for my end, I, um, when My Hero was first airing, I actually never saw it because it wasn't, a, I didn't have Hulu at the time, so Crunchyroll was my way of getting into it. But Attack on Titan, I've got him. It's been out since 2013, and it's been on everything. I think it's even still on Netflix. So that's definitely not hard to find. It's really been six years since Attack on Titan came around. That that really did take over the world for a while, didn't it? Was it was everywhere? Which brings us to our next story. Uh, I gotta with, say though, David, yeah. before we do move on to this uh, continuing Attack on Titan story, I do want to say it's difficult for me to bring up sympathy for this not just because of the fact that these are widely available i doing my best i'm thinking you know this is this is a shame if you haven't caught up on these and you don't want to go out and buy the copy but i just want to come up with my little bitter cockroach self here saying it that attack on titan's been out for that long and i still haven't watched the first season i saw the first episode and went nope i don't want it i don't want this too grim too gray too brown depressing i don't want this I watched other things with similar animation styles with the same studio, like uh, the film Hal, which I still enjoy for a lot of its uh, kind of jarring juxtaposition with emotion resonance. That's did good you watch stuff. Cabinary? You, you watched Cabinary, right? I did indeed Fortress? watch Cabinary, which again is the same studio. Same studio, same studio, same hat. So, you know, but at with the same time. Color. It sucks that you have to buy that, you know, if you haven't, uh, you know, streamed it on, um, you know, Crunchyroll or something. But I'm just kind of celebrating the fact that I won't have them constantly putting that up on their page. Like, have you watched Attack on Titan, my hero, yet? They're really good. You should watch it. Hey, 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 have you seen All Might plus Ultra? Have you seen him? 
Have you heard at every single anime convention you go to about My Hero Academia from people in a lot of My Hero Academia costumes? Deku. Oh my God, Deku. Let's talk about Deku. Let's talk about our good problematic boy. No, I don't want to. I'm tired. I don't want to watch the show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. My condolences. But uh, I'm just kind of happy I don't have to deal with that on Crunchyroll anymore. <laughs> or Verve. Or, or Brother Verve. But Attack on Titan, it just won't quit. No matter what my stance or my non-stance on it is, it just Attack won't on Titan quit. won't quit, but it's kind of taken a beating, apparently. Uh, we're into season three. And this cur- comes courtesy uh, of Damage Control, uh, the immeasurable decline of Attack on Titan in Season 3. Now, I will admit uh, that there was a decidedly, noticeably smaller buzz for Season 3 of Attack on Titan. Angela, why do you think this is? What happened? This show was, uh, for a while, the biggest anime in the world. No question. Uh, season one caught everybody off guard and took the world by storm. Uh, season two, go, hmm. season oh, two, she's <laughs> think she made a fantastic reference to the Arsenio Hall show. Uh, that's what you did, Jackson. <laughs> uh, yeah. What happened? What happened? I mean, the short answer would be time. Um, like the article you're referencing was actually written by my good friend Alex, uh, but he made some really good points. Basically, like I said, it's been six years since we had the first of Attack on Titan, but then fans had to wait like four more years for season two. And then we had to wait a little bit longer to 2018 for uh, part one of season three. And that's, uh, that's a long time in the world of anime. We've got simulcast and shows that just come out like on the dot so everybody who was waiting for attack on titan they got bored they either moved on to other things they read the manga and just said you know i'm a little bit bored with this some of them didn't like the direction where the story went and i mean i have to admit like i was one of the people who i'm going to wait for this anime so i've been waiting years and years for it didn't spoil myself with the manga and um while i liked season three i can see why there'd be a big drop-off because where season one was really action-packed, dark and grim, uh, season three was really political, like a lot of talking heads, a lot of strategy. It's just not the same as uh, let's go out there and get those Titans. Now, so, uh, yes. go ahead, Jack, you first. I have a couple of theories as to why it, it may or may not have uh, dropped off of the map here culturally. The least of which I think, you know, elephant in the room here the the characters their names and a lot of uh you know the setting and uh you know the ideas are very european and very heavily german especially very militant and i think even just that small resemblance can be kind of a factor you know that's kind of just a a hot button thing right now to kind of have a knee-jerk reaction against so that i think even if it isn't a conscious, oh, I don't like this because it's reminding me of, you know, scary, scary Germans. Not to say that they even, you know, are, you know, it's it's a lot like Full Mal Alchemist. It's all fictitious, even though, I, you know, there is that, that passing That is an interesting point you bring up, Jack, and I really wonder what will happen later on in the anime because the, the allegory you're making, it comes up a lot in the manga. Yeah. It comes up a lot. Oh, Oh, I, I might, I might not like, you know, actively watch the show or, or read the manga or anything, but I've got friends and they keep me updated because, you know, I'm a good friend and I listen to my friends' passions because that's what you do. You don't make them feel stupid about the things they like, Jonathan. <clears throat> Jonathan's not a real person. I don't know anybody named Jonathan. Um, you, uh, you know, I it, it definitely sounds to like like that gets pretty heavy handed. So uh, mm-hmm, things that make you go. Mm-hmm. So that that's something I also think there's 
there's something I've been noticing with culture, you know, these reboots, these remakes, these uh, series that come around and try and put the lightning back in the bo- the the genie back in the bottle. No, and no. Bring, bring think, it back to it. Bring it back to Attack on Titan. I will not go in there. Uh, I, I I promise I'm not gonna. <laughs> we will not mention this by name. Uh, you know, there there's either too long to wait uh, to where people kind of don't care, or they'll realize that the original wasn't that great to begin with. Like I'm very curious as to what's gonna happen with Fruits Basket. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it needs some work. So I'm wondering if they put their work in. And you have like this kind of weird middle stepbrother ground that Attack on Titan is in. And then on the other side of it, it's, you know, Amazing Spider-Man. You know, you tried way too hard to start from scratch again and you sucked. You sucked so much. Now, Jack. A six year waiting period is a little bit in that weird area of do people is that too long to ask people to wait for? And might some a lot of people might say yes. Now, Jax, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something around, and Angela, I'd love you to think about this one too, because you brought up a, a really interesting point about how fans sometimes get tired of waiting and sometimes get bored with anime, especially ones that come from manga. But usually, that is because there is a manga that is ongoing in the anime catches up to the manga and we have filler in the case of attack on titan it's the other way around yes the attack on titan manga is still going but the actual anime is still pretty significantly far behind do you think angela i'd love to hear you on this one first do you think that the anime production of attack on titan could have done something to keep itself in people's eyes and ears while they were still working on adapting the manga. Do you think Attack on Titan having original material, let's call it filler, might have worked? It might have. Uh, Personally speaking, me sitting through stuff like leech fillers and everything, that kind of ruined my distaste. I mean, it kind of ruined my taste for fillers because they're, some of them were really bad. And some Leech of them is pretty were... notorious for filler. Yeah, that was suffering. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's worse, to be a One Piece fan or a Bleach fan. But honestly, if you're a Bleach fan, you're not really watching the anime at this point. Well, it's, it got canceled, so you can't. Yeah, I, you, I, you really can't. <laughs> uh, the, the ending of that just left me so disappointed. I just go back, why, what happened? But to, uh, I'm a fan of bright colors. I just cannot look at Ichigo's hair for an extended amount of time. <laughs> that is a unique shade of orange. But I will yeah. bring it back to Attack on Time. Like it yeah, might have benefited from, like, I'm going to say six years is, well, let me see, 2007. So about four years between seasons is way too long. They might have dropped something in there, like maybe sh- really short seasons. Uh, maybe a little bit of filler mixed in with a little bit of um, manga material, just something to keep it in the spotlight. But like I said, it was so long that everybody just moved on. And now I have to go full Zach Galifianakis here. I have to make I have to go real between two ferns. Make our make our guests real uncomfortable with their area of expertise here. <laughs> Would you have accepted? animated footage animated material or a higher advertisement pushing forward of the uh <clears throat> the uh the junior high attack on uh, titan manga <laughs> would you be okay with this i saw a little bit of it um it's not attack on titan what i was expecting but i probably would have sat through more of it i i mean i sat through all those bleach fillers so i'm like i can do this now, Jack, I, counterpoint like to, be to you. like to open letter on people. Counterpoint to you, Jack. Uh, <laughs> yes. There are examples of filler that has been more well-received. Uh, Naruto, the, the filler has been more well-received than Bleach filler ever was. And also, what immediately came to my mind while we were talking about this, the Garlic Jr. saga of Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. I think that was a good example that showed that, yes, everybody 
entertaining filler is possible. And maybe, just maybe, that Attack on Titan might have taken that direction, and maybe it couldn't have worked. Now, I'm not necessarily saying Attack on Titan could have gone as wacky and off the rails as, say, the Garlic Jr. saga or some of the moments where Piccolo was taking driving lessons and what have you. Any film but- scene from Boba Bo. That's filler. I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to put <laughs> almost everything any, in Boba, any non-filler. Everything in Boba Bo is canon. Everything, everything in, Boba in Boba Bo, Bo is, is canon. canon. It's and Boba Bo is a it treasure. It isn't to say that it didn't happen in the manga, but it happened. <laughs> It's and, like and Blaze it's, Blue. Even the drama CDs matter. It's all treasure, and it's all canon. So, so I think that this might have been an example of maybe a manga that has gone on a little too long. Uh, do you see the Attack on Titan manga? Uh, has there been any kind of indication? And this is a problem. Uh, hello, everyone. This is old DJM talking about manga that goes on too long again. One piece. that maybe it's time for Attack on Titan to think about wrapping it up, Jack? Well, you're asking a biased person. I'm just kind of like, well, (laughs) please get out of here. But, you know, uh, I'll use an example of something that, um, you know, Soul Eater, I think the manga went on extremely long 26 volumes is still relatively short for a uh for a manga shonen particularly but i think they really stretched out some plot points manga wise you know it varies wildly after they end uh with that main climax uh in the anime you know the the manga has a whole lot of new ground to cover and it's very you know it's strange that and then also i think pandora hearts which got a 26 episode but unfinished anime adaptation you know stuff like that you just kind of like you know attack on titan in comparison kind of got off pretty well because you know they're still adapting you know going forward there's still content to do it's you know it isn't always the case with two of those those two uh you know you get two great seasons and you know it wraps up enough but it's not it's not complete I think a lot of fans would love to see that stuff fully animated and realized to the end. So it's good. You know, there could be a lot worse fates for Attack on Titan, I think. So I will say that I and uh, whisk it against the the bow of this ship and, you know, send it off and go, well, if you sink, you sink. It's not my problem now. I'm just the one Christianing you. Get out of here, Attack on Titan ship. Angela. I will pose this to you. Is this an example of the Attack on Titan manga going a little bit longer than it should and being a detriment to the anime not really being able to uh, keep up with the manga in a rare case? Do you think that it might need to come to an end? I mean, I've been avoiding the manga because of spoilers, but like based on other manga I've read, probably because... Sometimes I've, you know, read or seen that the um, the original author had uh, their own vision for it, and because of money or pressure from, you know, I guess corporate pressure, it kept going longer than it should have. Attack on Titan became a breakout hit, so he probably had an um, ending already planned, but maybe he was pushed past it, and that forced creativity, it it can just make a a series feel stale, and it's just like, Instead of having a graceful ending, it just has a long, drawn-out death, or maybe they take it behind the barn and, you know, do the old yeller thing. I I think I have my show title. Take Attack on Titan (laughs) out to the shed. (laughs) I think we have our show title. Hey, come on over here, Attack on Titan. We're gonna gonna take you into the field to play. As opposed to putting things... As opposed to putting things out to pasture... As opposed to putting things out to pasture, Shinichiro Watanabe is bringing something up fresh and new. Angela, this this was one of yours. Watanabe, don't quit! No, uh, no. Yeah, I was actually uh, looking around. I was just seeing what we had coming up for the uh, spring season, and one of them from Watanabe caught my eyes. Uh, Carol and Tuesday. Um, 
like I said, when he does an anime, I usually pay attention because he doesn't do very many of them. But I became a fan of his when he did uh, Kawaii Bebop and uh, Samurai Champloo. Those were really good. Uh, but like Carol and Tuesday, it has a nice international feel to it. See, it's about um, like basically about a music band. I've only seen the trailer of it, uh, and I already saw that it was on coming to Netflix. So I I kind of checked out on actually being to see it this spring, but it looks more closer to uh, Kids on a Slope than anything else, as far as you know it being a musically themed anime. Okay. Well, I'm noticing uh, here that it's going to have all English vocals, and it will be the world's first anime to do so. Hmm. I wonder. Are you familiar with the series Kids on the Slope? Sorry, David. Uh, a- Angela did mention Kids on the Slope. Yeah. Uh, as, as someone who is a a big big fan of Space Dandy, I, oh, I'm oh, yeah. I'm interested. I'm interested. Because I'm already loving the visuals. I'm loving that the costumes of the characters are very bright. I'm loving that already. So I'm I'm interested. I, I'm I'm interested in checking this out because anime usually led by this man, the music is almost always outstanding. Uh, whether you enjoy the jazz from Cowboy Bebop, the hip hop from Samurai Champloo, the shades of pop and Michael Jackson and rock in Space Dandy, and it just goes on and on from there. So it, this will be Shinichiro Watanabe fully leaning into music. So that that sounds really good, Jack, to me. Indeed. Um, Kids on the Slope being another one that is very music centric, following a very kind of slice of life young adult story, which, you know, centers around jazz musicians. I'm really looking forward to this, uh, especially seeing, you know, um, you know, these very unique artists here aboard the project. I'm just uh this is a lot of good, good names and things. This is sounding a lot like when we were talking about Alita, David. So. I'm sure that down the road, you know, after April, this is going to be something we'll be talking about positively, you know, further down in APOS. Because, I mean, there's just, I'm really liking these character designs, especially. And it'll be on Netflix, so it'll be easily accessible for everyone. Hopefully this gets people looking into more of his uh, his work, especially, you know, I, I seriously almost always recommend Samurai Champloo over something like, you know, Inuyasha. I feel like that's the more quintessentially, you know, Japanese celebration of, you know, the culture and the aesthetic in a really fun and unusual way, you know? He just, he has a touch with anime that, uh, like we say, it's that very international feel, but it still feels very distinctly anime. And that's what I love about it. And I want if this, to be this really is good. if this is half as entertaining and free spirited as Space Dandy was, then it it will be a lot of fun. I think. I don't know if anything will ever be as good as Space Dandy, though. I mean, Space. Cowboy Bebop, of course, is spoken of as the classic. It absolutely is. But can we just say Space Dandy's just a lot of fun? <laughs> it's Space so Dandy fun. is so much fun. Angela, Space yes. Dandy amazing show i loved it it it's a little sad it seemed to be underrated at the time like it could have used more love but i i enjoyed what i saw it it was that belongs with hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy you know some of the spoofier you know star trek uh and star wars stories and parodies i really feel like that belongs alongside them and it was just a beautifully drawn and designed show like it Colorful, go back and, glorious Go cast. back yes. and watch Space Dandy, people. It was so good and so fun. Get yourself hyped up for Carol and Tuesday. And you know what? Yes, fine. If if you if you want to watch Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo for the 804th time, yes, go do that too. But watch Space Dandy and then and Kids on the Slope too. Kids on the Slope is good too. And then we'll all be ready for Carol and Tuesday. And Jack uh, you were weren't ready for an anime called The Promised Neverland. Is that right? I I was not ready. I have I have not watched it yet. Oh, w- was that you, Angela? Yes, that was me. Okay, <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually just... our guest. 
take the anime from away from me from you. Oh no. Actually, um, I just want to almost flew under my radar uh, because I was kind of focused on what would probably be big hit this season, season two of Mob Psycho 100. But I put a call to Twitter saying, hey, is there any other show I should be checking out? And uh, a fellow named Justin from the um, OASG, he's like, check out The Promised Neverland. And I was like, all right, I'll check it out as soon as I can. I saw an episode and few more and before i knew it i was called up like i just finished sketching up to the latest episode yesterday i actually haven't read the manga either like i said it's something that just slipped under my radar completely but i'm trying to say it's kind of hard like to talk about the show without giving away the big spoiler in the first episode but i can give it a try so um, basically about uh kids who are uh they kind of they're orphans and they live an idyllic life with uh with isabella their mother and um they basically are allowed to play out in the forest have fun they have to take tests every so often and they have like one rule they're never ever allowed to go past the gate and uh everybody gets adopted before or sent to a foster home before they turn 12. um the thing is when you're watching the show it's really unsettling because like it's juxtaposed between you know kids having fun and we have our three characters um emma who's the um the heroine uh norman and ray they are like some of the high scores they're talented and athletic and oh sorry train of thought um one day they just see something that they weren't supposed to see uh, one little girl she gets up she goes out um to be adopted to foster home they see why they're not allowed beyond the gate and everything just goes downhill from there. Okay. It's like basically the game, um, the anime game. This is what happens when you're a gamer. <laughs> Think about everything in terms of games. Um, the anime, basically it's a little bit of shonen, a little bit of horror and a little bit in the beginning of slice of life. But I just think of it as a giant game of, it's essentially a giant game of uh, chess between um, kids and their the situation they find themselves in. Where can we see the Promised Neverland if we want to check it out? It's on Crunchyroll and on Hulu. Oh, those excellent! Are, yeah, those are the only. T- I mean, it might be on Verve too, since that's part of Crunchyroll. But I've seen it on Hulu and Crunchyroll. I've got Hulu, so that's good news for me. Awesome! Um, I've got Crunchyroll. This- uh, aside from the opening having a really nice animation style, I'm looking at it right now, um, and the main, this uh, red-headed girl looking a lot like Heart I Know from uh, a favorite fighting game of mine, Heart Arcana and a Heart, uh, despite its looks, very excellent fighting game system underneath that, so, you know, let he without judgment or whatever the hell. Anyway, um... You know, this this looks like a lot of fun. Um, it's also reminding me, aside from, you know, the the Peter Pan, the obvious Peter Pan orphan lost boys angle that it's taking. It's giving me a little bit of that Higurashi vibe. Just a, just a little bit, especially when you said horror. I'm thinking to myself, this might not be exactly what it appears to be. That's uh, that's kind of one reason why I was a little slow to get into it. Like, you know, you look at first glance, I was like, oh, it's just kids doing cute things. I got to be in the mood to see something like that. And within the first... That's my favorite that's... genre, as Jack will tell you. <laughs> well, it's kids doing cute things at first, but after that, it just, uh, it's not anymore. So, I mean, like, I just found, like, the first 10 minutes of it to be kind of unsettling. Uh, you have these kids and they're, you know, they're sterile white clothing. They're like, why do they have numbers tattooed onto their necks? And just like that. And it all comes, it all makes sense by the end of the first episode. But I'll just put it that way. Because I don't want to spoil the big twist if you haven't heard or seen it yet. Now, uh, I, I um, you know, obviously haven't seen this. I'd like to come back to this um, after taking a look at it later on. But it definitely has my curiosity. It absolutely does. I would just like to say, David, um, what are your thoughts on this? Because I remember you mentioning this in an earlier APOS, that this had piqued your interest. 
which is really bad because I am having a bit of a struggle recalling it. Uh, I'm I'm bringing it up again now just to see if I can refresh my memory and if it's something okay. That this is something that I do recall bringing up, but. January was a bit of a tough time for me in the IRL, so I'm just reacclimating myself to it. But yeah, I can I can definitely see just hearing from what Angela was saying and getting that it is uh, not necessarily a a slice of life show. Really, you know, it, it ramps up. I'm definitely seeing why I would enjoy this and why it did pique my interest. So, Angela, thank you for reminding me. Uh, and since it's easily accessible, I will look into this. Uh, I will look into this. Uh, Jack, while I'm reading up on The Promised Neverland, uh, I will allow you, even though I, I still... I'm, I'm going to get you to start playing more Sonic, Jack. I swear I've been to playing God. more Sonic. I'm I I love me some Tails. I think he's more fun to play with in Sonic Two. Like he's more fun to play. Hey, I don't know what the ch- the difference was Sonic Mania wise, but classic Tails is more fun to control. Then it's you very are different going to, wise. You are going to love Sonic Three. You're going to Hooray! love Sonic Three. Oh, that was a great game. Oh man, it looks like I came back for more. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, so uh, the news broke that uh, Nintendo of America president Reggie Fils Aimé uh, is retiring after 15 years at he's Nintendo. He's okay. He's okay. He's he just okay. stepping down. He's just stepping down. He's a family man. You know, he's he is uh, you know, in in his goodbye, in his farewell from Nintendo, he has, you know, copious pictures of him smiling with his family. He is looking totally chipper and totally pleased. And he expresses in his video, you know, that he is just overjoyed by the connection that the fan community has made with him. He's always been a really great, you know, spokesperson. He's been down with the memes. Everybody will constantly remember my body is ready. He was there at the beginning at the front lines with it. He, of course, references it in his goodbye. It's, you know, he's got a great nature to him, but. I gotta say, David, the internet's letting me down again, but this time it's what they're not doing as opposed to what evils they've wrought upon me. <sighs> David, hmm. there's only been a few people to mention d- d- with with any kind of attempt at humor that his successor is uh, another fellow uh, sales and marketing who is moving up that line. You know, Reggie feels I was himself uh, an Jack, executive. Sorry to sales cut you off marketing. here, but here is something yes. that even I didn't know. Reggie feels is 57 years old. Wow. Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty young. He's not he's not uh, retirement age, I would say. I I would not have pegged him at, at 57. Not even close. What would you peg him as? I put him maybe not even at 50. I'd say I thought he was in the later 40s. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he still seems like he is retiring early. But, I mean, he's got Nintendo money. I don't blame him. Right. As the president. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, he states that he's, he's not leaving the company you know, and and just leaving it done. He is a Nintendo fan, and he's a family man. You know, his family obviously probably loves this the products of of the company that he's you know, yeah, president of the of the American uh you know portion of that. That's in that's I I can't imagine what that must be like. But damn, before I start getting really envious of his children, you know, <laughs> let's let's. Let's just go ahead and and uh, and and break the news that uh, Reggie Fizame started as an executive of sales and marketing and moved forward to become the president of Nintendo of America. And his successor is another executive of sales and marketing, Doug Bowser. David, David, that's his I'm name. Gonna, I'm yeah. <laughs> it's, Mr. It's Sonic the Hedgehog terrific. over here. It's truly terrific. Mr. Sega Boy, my 
my partner in crime here, David, gets this joke. How come nobody on Twitter is making jokes? I had to withstand, David, I had to withstand months of people pretending like it was a funny thing for Bowsette to be just plastered everywhere because tits are funny and oh Nintendo fan art hasn't been a thing but you know outside of drawing Link a million times in random outfits no one ever draws Mario characters like humans shut yes they did you guys are idiots the internet's full of idiots but y'all y'all did that and i didn't care i didn't complain then but i'm complaining now no one no one is making good jokes about this i've seen like two and they were very half-assed and one of them was the one in reggie's video where he goes he doesn't have any fire breath but he is an excellent successor like come on i think that is prime the the fact that Pun his name city. his name his name is Doug Bowser it's almost at the point that it's so perfect that nothing needs to be said it's like that moment of silence that 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 doesn't need words and, and it's the I wah-wah of the universe the, the way I see it is that it's almost in a way that it's a perfect moment for the internet to shut up. That the the future, the upcoming president of Nintendo of America, his name is Doug Bowser. His name is Doug Bowser. He is an OG Donkey Kong arcade player. Yes. It's perfect. It could he not be more perfect. He is a good boy. Like, people are, uh, the thing is that people are you know, having an uprising about him. The fact that his name was trending was because people are just worried that he can't stand up to the godliness that was their meme lord, Reggie fils I'm telling you right now, this man is fine. He is a Donkey Kong expert. He is very self-aware, charming. He's definitely got his, you know, experience. He has, he has those He years. has in his Twitter Here. bio, he has in his Twitter bio, views are mind as are the Goombas, Koopa Troopa, etc. He owns it, peeps. He owns it. I'm. I'm just saying, David. I. I'm. Gl- I. I understand what you say about this is so perfect that the internet literally can't make they a can't joke even. about it. They can't. I'm even. just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Y'all made me. Y'all made me look at a lot. Y'all, y'all made me look at a lot of peach in a black dress because that's a lazy design. Y'all made me th- pretend like I was okay with that. I didn't Jack, do anything. I'm you, not okay for, with that. For all of those hours and hundreds of times you muddled through the muck that is nerd fan art, you should know better than most that when there are jokes about the titty to be made... They will be made and they will be lazy. And that is always the case. Uh, so, 3D is better yes, than 2D. You're just going to have to let Doug Bowsette go. You're just it's not even canon. That go. It ain't even canon. It's only Toadette. And, and I know none of y'all want to do that to Toadette because, as we, of course, know from another press conference, we're not even sure what... J- gender any of the toad creatures they could be anything not that it matters but but if that matters to you you gotta be careful with that you gotta be careful they're mushrooms so if you date one are you dating all of them you're dating the massive underground network that is oh god that's terrifying are they all connected (laughs) under the ground uh so so you've been enjoying star trek discovery have you I, I I absolutely love the eldritch horror that the Mushroom Kingdom is, and I can't look. I I for one welcome our Koopa Overlord. Uh, n- now now you you got to see a twenty fourth century sci fi interpretation of the Mushroom Kingdom in Star Trek Discovery. Jack, you're welcome. Angela. I I gotta say I gotta say I am always down for some weird interpretations of you know the the topical. Uh, intricacies of that kingdom. It's why I like Superstar Saga. They explain the weird coin exchange rate. It's a good time. But yes, Angela. Angela, yes. Uh, we've been going on about this long enough. Uh, Doug Bowser uh, and the outgoing president of Nintendo, Reggie Fiza May. Uh, he, uh, from what I have known, I think what he did so well 
is that he was an American face for a distinctly Japanese company. And on one end, he was that American face. And two, Nintendo wholeheartedly endorsed him as part of the company. And he did that exceptionally well. Uh, Angela, I think that, uh, and, and I'll ask you, I think that he was, that was the thing that he did better than anything else uh, for Nintendo, being being a face that people could recognize, which is so important. Oh, definitely was. I mean, I'm I'm still in shock about his retirement that he's leaving. It's, it's been, the last 15 years uh, with Isamay around has been amazing. But I know Bowser is going to do just fine, and it still feels weird saying that. <laughs> no call one. Him Doug. I, you can call the him quote, Doug. The quote I have it here is: "Who could better hold the keys to the Mushroom Kingdom than Doug Bowser?" With this big grin on his face, Jesus Christ, Reggie. <laughs> and and I imagine the the board of directors at Nintendo were like, "He's already a good guy for the job, and and his last name is Bowser." C- clearly, it was meant to happen. Clearly. I mean, let's not forget that, uh, you know, Mario, even his name is a nod to the landlord of the original Nintendo of America's office building, which was an all Japanese joint for the longest time. Uh, So, you know, this is I don't really necessarily think this is the end of an era. I think it's just, uh, you know, something a very interesting transition going forward. But I don't think people should view it as an end of any kind of era. By all accounts, it is already looking like a very smooth transition. And yes. for for all of the talk that Reggie talked about Smash, I, I really look forward to seeing Doug Bowser beat people as Donkey Kong in Donkey Kong Arcade. Or he might play Bowser in, in some other games like Mario Party. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. He could play Bowser. I'd like to see... I, I would just like to see um, his his skill with K. Rule because that just feels like, you know, a Donkey Kong fan's ultimate dream. I know several who are extremely happy, as am I. I didn't, I'd be interested in seeing that as well. But who knows? Uh, Doug, we're happy to have you, it seems like. We're, we're welcoming you aboard, and we'll see how you do in April. Starting in April. And, and video game enthusiasts everywhere wish you the best of luck and angela mosley we wish you the very best and we thank you for joining us on the anime podcast of some sort you were great we really appreciate having you on uh tell us what you've got going on and where we can find you online well first of all thanks for having me i uh, appreciate being here it was so much fun uh you can glad your body was ready (laughs) oh yes it was ready (laughs) Uh, you can find uh, damage, cro- damage Control online at dcgameblog.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Silver Husky. That's uh, Silver underscore Husky with an E between, with an E in there. And uh, you could also find us, well, you know what, the website pretty much has all of our links there. It's just easier to remember them all. <laughs> dcgameblog.org dot com and we'll put all of those in the show notes for everyone to check out the damage control blog and everything Angela is up to Uh, Jack indeed uh, Jackson Frankfurter Coalescence the (laughs) fourth what have you got going on well Jack Little Lord Fondroy it can be found at Jack D Tyler D on Twitter where I will usually just be spewing opinions. Uh, you know, you can at me about any and all APOS-related questions there, contact me about artwork and the like. Uh, you can also see a vast array of my artwork and uh, offer sketch requests and just kind of keep up on all the news of anything that I'm creating at Duck Behind the Wheel at Instagram. A lot of really fun stuff going on right now. I've been nailing down a lot of really great character designs and i have to say it's been a lot of fun to be answering people's sketch requests various questions people have some really creative ones some really great ideas and it's a really good community there so you know if that's your bag i would you know pop in and see if you like what you like awesome and everyone thank you so much for listening to apos 
Like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Subscribe in iTunes, subscribe wherever podcasts are aggregated. It's accessible everywhere, even on your smart devices. Unsubscribe and resubscribe again. Give us a bump. Help your boy DJM out. Give us the old positive review. You, you know you want to. If not for me, which totally understandable, do it for Jack. Do it for Jack. Help an artist out. Help an artist out. Do it for Jack. Unsubscribe to the podcast and resubscribe. Retweet, share it out. Come on, everybody. Do it for David. Do it for David, too, because this man is a podcasting machine. Also, check out Grappalicious, because I got to say, it's been been lots of fun. And I don't even really regularly follow wrestling, so that should tell you how fun it is to listen to. Yeah, Grappalicious, it's out there. It's a brand new podcast with myself and the Subtle Doctor. Everybody, fellow brother in podcasting arms, the subtle doctor. We're it is talking the most about... epic anime crossover of 2019. It is, and we're not even talking about anime unless you're like me, and and you understand that wrestling is live action shonen, and that is Grappalicious. G R A P P L I C I O U S. Grappalicious. Check it out if you like. Thank you all so much for listening to the anime podcast of some sort. And we shall have the conversations about cartoons from other places and sometimes here in America in the not-too-distant future. Live long and prosper. Hey, hey, I got him, you guys. I got him. Another trek. Yes, you did. Good night, everybody. 